Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and on this week's episode, Ben Golker and I talk about the Detroit Pistons' disappointing NBA draft lottery results. The Pistons, with the third best odds, fell two slots to the fifth overall pick. Ben Golker and I try to find the silver lining, run through a quick mock draft, and talk about the eyebrow-raising DeAndre Aiden situation in Phoenix. Could DeAndre Aiden be more obtainable than we thought? As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, subscribe, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the discussion post on Detroit Bad Boys. That's the best way for us to have the conversation that we want to have around the podcast. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this offseason. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to a post-NBA draft lottery episode of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Uh, kind of, sort of pleased to be joined by my co-host, Ben Golker. Ben, how's it going? Hey, man. Yeah. Yeah. Num- number five. Yeah. Number five. The Pistons uh, got the no. fifth pick in the draft. How, how do we feel? I saw your tweet. You are like, that's, uh, that's suboptimal. Yeah, man, I uh <laughs> I heard I heard myself say this is devastating and uh my wife didn't know what I was talking about. She looked at me like gave me the side eye like what are you talking about? <laughs> and uh yeah, I didn't expect to feel so sad. I had been prepping myself for disappointment and still feel absolutely completely disappointed. ESPN's mock that's on the TV right now, Jonathan Giovanni. Giovanni, I always forgot to say his last name. They've got Keegan Murray uh, going uh, number five. That just flashed up on the TV. I'm having a hard time getting excited about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe an adequate player at five, maybe not. Doesn't feel game-changing to me at the moment, though, Laz. Does, doesn't feel game-changing, i got to be honest. No, this is – I think the – this is obviously very disappointing. You're right. Um, I think – statistically this was the most likely outcome of like any individual pick was the was the fifth overall pick and so this shouldn't be surprising but it is i don't know it's just like all the all the good vibes of the season all the uh the karmic implications of getting number one overall pick last year and being like oh we can you know we can we can turn this thing around is that you know life uh life kind of gets in the way sometimes but uh I will say that I think if you gave me like the option of getting the fifth overall pick in last year's draft and the first overall pick in this year's draft, like I, I wouldn't take it. I think they got the first overall pick in the draft that mattered more. And we'll just have to see how uh, we'll see. I have to see how this draft plays out, but I think getting Kate Cunningham, who's better than any prospect in this year's class is uh, ultimately more deterministic for the fate of the franchise than uh, anything that happened tonight, which is which is good because tonight kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> so, Keegan Murray, you mentioned that as as a potential uh, draft pick. That's what ESPN was saying. We do know 
or we have we have heard from both uh we have heard from basically all of the beat writers that keegan murray is a guy that they have looked at pretty heavily uh over the course of like their the scouting evaluation pre-draft process then uh what specifically makes you so tepid about the idea of a, of a keegan murray on the, of the detroit pistons so you know i don't even know if it's about keegan murray to be perfectly honest with you i think That's there fair. was just this part of me so like i tweeted this out earlier today like even even a year ago laz as we were amping up right around this time right i was as people have been listening to the pod for a while know i have not been a draft guy the past i don't know like decade really like i just with good reason yeah with good reason right like i mean we've been end of the lottery we haven't hit on any of the big prospects i mean drummond was the closest thing we had to a hit and he was so polarizing for so many people like that and that in and of itself is a story right yeah and i mean it just it was so like i just was so burned out on it and I don't know. Last year, it seemed obvious to me that Cade was the pick. So once we won the lottery, I just, I just didn't, I didn't look at it anymore. To me, it was either Mobley or Cade, and it was like, okay, flip a coin, and then ultimately it was just Cade, right? So like, okay, this year, like I actually, I tweeted this out. Like I have spent a lot of time looking at like the top three, four, five guys, and I, why am I tepid about? Uh, a guy like Murray, it's because I've, I've, I honestly got invested last. That's the honest answer. It's not rational. It's not logical. I was seriously like getting excited about, um, you know, the, 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 the amazing articles that the writers have been putting up on the Detroit bad boys blog, for example, I've been diving into those clips and into those stats and into thinking about like, what if we land one of these top three or four guys and we've got two of the top five talents of the NBA team on the same roster and we have a decade worth of basketball to be excited about in Detroit. And like no, Keegan Murray could absolutely be a starting caliber player and an above average uh, power forward and could absolutely work well with Cade Cunningham. But like, it just feels underwhelming. And, that, and that's how I feel about it right now. That's just the honest spur of the moment emotional cathartic reaction that I'm feeling and that, you know, a week from now, Laz, I'll probably feel differently. Um, and, you know, honestly, like I might, I might even be talking myself into reaching for a guy like Matherin, to be honest with you. Like I might be, he's, he's a guy who's been floating around like the six, seven, eight range. Like mm-hmm. I might even be talking to myself, like maybe we need to reach for a guy like that. But tonight I think it's just sort of like, popping a balloon taking the wind out of the sails you know that's just how i'm feeling no i think that's fair um yeah i i definitely get some of that i have been more invested than you have been in the past with regards to the draft uh like specifically the the first year of troy weaver's um tenure when he grabbed three first round picks but uh yeah last year we all just kind of got to be a little bit uh, lazy in our draft analysts or an analysis. It's like, Oh, Hey, we got the number one pick. Oh, Hey, look, <laughs> this guy's the best prospect. Well, we just take him. It's like, Oh, cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, not, not having to do this this time around, I think will be a better, uh, it'd be better for the content. And and you mentioned the NBA draft review series that the, uh, that the other writers at Detroit bad boys have been putting on uh, and this week and like shout out to Sean for our feelers yeah. leader, Sean Corp for putting yeah all that data uh, and all that film together in a place where it was easily accessible for our writers to, to access and be able to, to make their own judgments 
about uh, some of the prospects at the top of this year's class. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I don't I don't like I don't want to invalidate your feelings. I think you're right. I think you're right to be disappointed. Um, I feel like that um, like that scene in Arrested Development where uh, Jason Bateman like opens the refrigerator and he sees the brown bag that says like dead dove like do not eat. And he looks in and it's, he's like, I don't, I don't know what I expected. Like, I, I don't know what I expected. Like, I, don't, I don't know what I expected. Like this is uh, last year was an aberration. That's an atypical uh, draft result. Like this is how it normally goes for, yeah. for like one of the 29 NBA franchises. And like it, it was us this year. Um, I will say though, you spoke about Matherin as a guy that was interesting to you. Um, one other interesting draft uh, lottery result that I wanted to note for the people, the Portland Trailblazers ended up with the seventh overall pick. I think that's a drop from one spot. You think that's doable for a Jeremy Grant trade? You think uh, if, if we're if we're tepid on Keegan Murray and Keegan Murray is going to go five, do you think uh, Portland kind of looks up and says to themselves, like, I don't think there's anybody better than uh, than Jeremy Grant that we could get in this year's class, and they decide to just uh, make that deal, make that deal a reality. I mean, they still got the accelerated timeline, right? I mean, Damon yeah. Lillard is uh, Damian Lillard, excuse me, is not getting any younger, is what I meant to say. So yeah, I mean, it, who's there at seven that's going to make the immediate impact to push them into what's still a very competitive Western Conference? I mean, they got a long way to go in a short amount of time to get there, so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm looking at the top 15 picks on just about every big board that's out there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know who they're going to get at at seven who's going to push them, right? So I, I think that that's they've still got to be thinking about acquiring some, some veteran guys who are more seasoned and maybe a little more productive. I don't think they've got two years to wait. No, absolutely. And so does does the thought of perhaps like two picks – in the top seven like is that reason to be slightly more excited even if they're five and seven and not like two and seven (laughs) (laughs) so that's always attractive to me Laz. and i think so so here's where my the front the frontal cortex the prefrontal cortex starts kicking in a little bit right like the Mm -hmm. the later evolutionary brain starts to kick in so like we, we don't spring into the top three which means we're less likely to get that super high impact player which means what is the timeline, right? The timeline mm-hmm. probably gets a little bit longer. So Jeremy Grant certainly becomes the, the, the uh, desire to move him, I think probably becomes a little bit stronger. And so, yeah, I mean, I become even if I'm Troy Weaver, I become even more interested in moving him. And if that opportunity is on the table, I'm certainly pursuing it yeah. because I, I do think, I mean, I do agree. If you look at the top 10 on just about anybody's big board, it's pretty easy to talk yourself into having two, you can find two quality guys that I think you can talk yourself into fitting with Cade Cunningham that, I mean, even if you think you've got one bench guy and one starting guy, I think you you've got two, two quality rotation players in that mix. I, I I think you can feel pretty confident about that. Yeah. And you know, there's uh, there's a lot of evidence that you, you know, more bites at the apple is good. You can find uh, you still find really good players outside of the i think it's like the top uh top like eight picks and so you know you never know what can happen with troy weaver we've seen that two years ago and so uh you know anything is possible i will say that um sean hyken who writes for bleacher report uh and is pretty 
pretty plugged into the Portland Trailblazers uh, front office and coaching staff situation. I think he lives out in Portland. Uh, he tweeted, and I retweeted, that he thought the Blazers would still be interested in trading that pick. Not, like, specifically for Jeremy Grant, but just, like, in general. And, like, I don't know if, if you've looked at, like, the free agency or trade market, but there's not, like, a whole bunch of yeah. super attractive uh, players out there. Yeah. And so I could I could see something like that happening. Um, I think if they're able to walk away from this with, like, Keegan Murray and and Benedict Matherin or even like Keegan Murray and like Jalen Duran or, you know, Shaden Sharp. And, uh, well, you, I, if you took Sharp, you wouldn't take Matherin. So you, you, I mean, you could take Shaden Sharp and, uh, and like another big and, uh, and just kind of go from there. Um, I th- like, I think that's interesting. There, there permute once you, if you assume a Jeremy Grant for seven trade is going to happen, which I'm going to do cause it's better podcast content. Um, <laughs> If you assume that, then there are a lot of more. There are a lot more interesting permutations of draft night uh, in Detroit. If you don't assume that, then like, yeah, this is this is looking kind of rough. But yeah, uh, like you take your you take you assume a wing and a big, right? And then you right. take you take best available wing At or both. big with your first one, and then you take best of yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. with you. Yeah, uh, and to like head off a question I can like see happening in my mind is like, well, Laz, like. They trade Jeremy Grant for seven and they have five. Can you package five and seven for three? And just like, no, no one's going to do that. I'm sorry. Like, no, I, I you know, so. yeah, the, the trade value chart, like might say that that makes sense, but like, no one's going to, no one's going to do that. It's uh, that's okay. Well, uh, yeah, I think especially this draft, right? Like the top yeah. three, I think feel pretty solidified to me. I mean, that seemed pretty solidified too in the draft coverage for anybody who watched the first 15 minutes. I mean, it, it consensus seems pretty clear. What did, what did you think of like Chet Holmgren like just like towering over David Robinson though? Did, what, was, did you see that too? Yes. I wasn't sure if it was like the optical illusion of Chet being like a toothpick next to <laughs> like the monstrous man that is David Robinson or what. But yeah, that was super interesting to me. Yeah, I felt really bad for Chet's Taylor, who's just got like nothing to work with, right? <laughs> and I don't know if you caught the shot where it was like close to the ground, but Chet had like white sneaker socks on, and there was like three inches of calf, like just skin, <laughs> when he was sitting down. Yeah, that that Taylor didn't earn his didn't earn his money, is all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, Chet needs that NBA paycheck for <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. All right, Ben. So, uh, anything else notable? Oh, and risers and fallers, Sacramento. Sacramento jumped the Pistons to get the fourth overall pick. Uh, that's a nasty bit of karma. Uh, maybe, perhaps, we can count on Sacramento doing something dumb to to make the, one of the top three guys available. Oh, no, they're picking fourth. Never mind. Uh, okay, that, never mind. Uh, well, I mean, other... you can count on Sacramento to do something dumb. I mean, you just don't know what it's going to be. That's true. But if if they if the top three guys are gone, it's like we can't take advantage as much of, of their their uh, idiocy. Um, Oklahoma City also jumped uh, into the second overall spot, which hardly seems fair since they have like 80 trillion picks. Seriously. One of them actually hit. Well, and historically, the way they've wasted the tail. I mean, think about it. Durant, Westbrook, Harden, um, Ibaka, Ibaka. Like all the talent they have just squandered. It's incredible. They took Jeff Green five, if I remember correctly. (sighs) And like Jeff Green had a really good, really long NBA career, still in the league, despite right. you know like the heart thing and everything. Yeah. But like, yeah, that was that was not a good allocation of resources. Absolutely. Um, as all it, you know, I will say it's like if uh, they get two, maybe they like stop tanking, or maybe you know 
Apollos just like sitting 40 games like Shea Gilgis Alexander is again. And we, uh, we kind of go from there. Yeah. They have a hideous, uh, a tanking record. Um, and we can speak from experience since we know what tanking looks like. Um, Oh, I wanted to do like a real quick run through of what we taught. Think the like top seven picks are going to be based on the other rosters, uh, based on like who we think the draft needs are. Um, so Orlando did win the lottery. We should mention that um, they got the number one overall pick. Which of the three bigs makes the most sense in Orlando who already has a bunch of bigs? Okay, so I'm going to go just based on what the buzz I saw on Twitter, which is I'm eyeballing tweets. Mm-hmm. I saw Chet a lot, hmm. but I, I found that kind of surprising. So I'll just I'll just say that's what I was eyeballing from Twitter. Chet and Mo Bamba on the floor at the same time would It'd be, be funny. really funny. That'd be funny, right? Yeah, that's good. That is good. Uh, that's good video content. I don't know if it'd be effective. And like Wendell Carter Jr. was playing really well for them towards the end of the year. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, all right, Chet off the board at one to Orlando. OKC needs everything. Uh, yeah. What? Who do you think they would take in number two? Oh, OKC. They need everything, right? I mean, they need. Well, their guard room is kind of crowded, right? They have Shea and Dort and Giddy and Trey Mann. And uh, what's his name? The other French point guard, Maladon. Like they, they probably are happy with the ability to take a big man, but like I don't, I don't know which big man like fits what they want to do because so Did, far all we've seen them want to do is lose. Yeah, I don't know if they know what they want to do, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm gonna say Jabari. All right, I don't mind it. Jabari too. Jabari two to OKC. So do we just are we just penciling in Houston taking uh, Paulo then? I think three? so. I think we kind of have to, right? I mean, that's the yeah. top three. Yeah, Houston really doesn't need a guard. I think yeah. the for me, like the funniest outcome of the night was going to be Houston at four, where like Jaden Ivey is going to be like staring them in the face, but they already yeah. have like a super crowded guard room. But uh, luckily, they avoid that fate. Um, I will say a Paulo uh, Alperin Shingun front court. Not going to play any defense at all, and would be uh, just hilarious to watch. Uh, Sacramento at four. This is like the real wild card, right? Because Sacramento pulled off the Sabonis trade, uh, still managed to miss the playoffs, traded away Tyrese Halliburton um, because they wanted to give the ball to De'Aaron Fox more. So it's like, do do they take another guard? Do they, you know, reach for a big? Like, what, what do you think uh, Sacramento ends up doing at four? Oh boy. That is such a good question. How many seconds of silence are you going to have to edit out? (laughs) I don't know, man. Sacramento, what are they going to do? So, like, they could do something crazy. Like, I could see them do something crazy and going after, like, Jaden Ivey because, like, points and fast. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I could totally see that. It would be very Sacramento to be like, hey, we just traded Tyrese Halliburton, but what if we took Jaden Ivey? Yeah, just like, like, that's so Sacramento. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Or, like, yeah, and especially, I was just reading your big board earlier. Jaden Ivey, NBA player comparison, De'Aaron Fox. Fox. Yeah. 
We have two of these guys. We got to double up. Double down. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, yeah. Well, that's the funniest outcome, I think. So, yeah, let's say Jay Nabby at four uh, for Sacramento. So, are we just going to – are we going to pencil in Keegan Murray at five? Yeah. Are we going to – okay. Yeah. Are we going to entertain the thought of Shaden Sharp at five? Have you have you done any Shaden Sharp research? <sighs> the thing is what to research, right? Like what does mm-hmm. research mean in this context? Like have I read lots of words? Sure. Yeah. Like have I read like lots of opinion pieces about his high school play? Yes. Have you watched any of his EYB, EYBL uh Film. sure yes clips and bits yeah yeah yeah. i mean it's is is that interesting and fun to watch yeah like am i able to translate that in a meaningful way to the pros i don't feel like i can i don't feel equipped to do that i think people smarter than me if if people are able to do that they need to be working in the nba you know what i'm saying i'm curious yeah. to, to hear what you think about that because i don't feel like i have a handle on it i feel like that would be the t- pick that would make twitter happy yeah, but um, it is and like if it works and if it works uh, on both ends, like Sharp would absolutely be a guy who could fit next to Cade Cunningham. Um, like, however, it's like strike one. It's like guys coming from high school to directly to the NBA usually take a long time uh, to get ready or to get to get to a place where they're contributing meaningfully um, at the NBA level. And oftentimes they don't make it that far. Mm-hmm. So, strike two. I think he's 19. So like, despite the fact that he's coming straight from high school, he's not like super duper young. Like he's pretty young, but like, he's not as young as like Jalen Duran, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, you know, you think you have this like raw piece of clay, but he's like not nearly as raw as you think he is. He just like didn't play college basketball. Right. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's no strike three. I don't, I don't have a strike three that would make for, for a better uh, listening experience. But like, yeah, if uh, I, I think it'd be, I think it'll be interesting. I think that'll be, that will be the conversation. I think we have amongst ourselves a lot over the course of the however long we've got until the playoffs end and the draft starts. So like eight weeks or something, but yeah, I think Murray versus sharp is going to be like the, the argument we probably end up having. Uh, so like over a, and over again. in a five, seven scenario last, like mm-hmm. him at seven, should he fall to that sounds way more interesting to me than like your, if you've got two swings, it seems interesting to me to take one of them on him. You know what I'm saying? No, that that's a great point. Um, and I think that that's something that is probably like why we do the mock draft exercise, right? Because like yeah. Indianapolis, if Keegan Murray's off the board, like would they take Shaden Sharp? They just mm-hmm. executed the Tyrese Halliburton trades, so and now they have Tyrese Halliburton. Mm-hmm. They also have Malcolm Brogdon, who I think was angling for a trade last I saw. Um, returning Miles Turner, so they don't so they they don't need like a big; they need a wing. So like, would they go with like uh, an AJ Griffin, or would would they go like with a Benedict Matherin over Shaden Sharp? Uh, like that. That's kind of the the interesting question thing we've got going on. What do you think, Ben? Hmm. Okay, here's where I start to get fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Okay, we just said. At five, where do, who do we just pencil in at five? We penciled we pen- in us with Keegan yeah, we penciled Murray. In, yeah, we penciled in Murray for us. Okay, at six, 
we start to think about sharp. We start to think about what are the other names that you just said? You uh, said a bunch of them. Sorry, start to think about like AJ Griffin. Yes, start Griffin, to think about Matherin. Matherin. Start to think about uh, guy like Tari Eason. All these no. guys. This yeah. that Ed. Yeah, this is this is where stuff starts to open up a little bit. It's like okay, so this is the spot for me where like the guys it's harder to differentiate among them, right? So the guy I've looked the most at is probably Matherin because I, worst case scenario is the Pistons drop to seven, right? And this is Mm -hmm. kind of where I prevented myself from digging much deeper than Matherin, right? This is where I kind of stopped. Mm -hmm. So like among this group, Matherin is the guy I like the best. So this is probably, if I'm picking six and Matherin's still on the board, this is probably where I take, this. that's probably who I take at six. Yeah. Okay, so I, I just opened up Tankathon, like six. They still got like AJ Griffin, Dyson Daniels, Matherin, uh, Jalen Duran, Johnny Davis. Like that, all of those things, I, all of those guys I think could be interesting for Indianapolis. Let's just like give them AJ Griffin. Oh, AJ Griffin's on the board too. Yeah, we. Yeah. So he's universally probably rated higher. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I can. I'll say this. I don't like the Pacers are known for being lowercase c conservative in their like uh in the way that their front office and their team has been run and so i can see them saying like the 19 year old kid straight from high school like now nah, we, we don't really want any of that um indiana also kind of feels like they would rather you know be back in the play-in mix sooner rather than later mm-hmm. and so we'll we'll see i don't know if the sharp kind of fits there which means you would still be on the board at seven for portland if portland didn't trade that pick um, I think they would also want to go a little bit more like instant impact role yeah. player type of situation. Um, Matherin doesn't make a ton of sense for them because they already have Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard, unless you think Matherin can play some three guard, which I don't. Eh, yeah. Yeah. And so then you're looking at like, yeah, you're looking at like Tari Eason. Yeah, it's like just like a run. Yeah, they yeah they're gonna trade that pick. <laughs> yeah, who's who's left for them then? Like, Nobody. there's not even a name. Like, who do you even draft? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, like if if you're looking for a uh, because like they don't need any guards, right? And the closest thing we have to like a guy I think is gonna be good right away is like Benedict Matherin and Johnny Davis, and those are both guards. So like they they don't draft those guys. They don't have any centers. Um, I think Nurkic is going to Nurkic is going to be a free agent. I don't know if they bring him back or not. So maybe they go like Mark Williams or something. Maybe they go Jalen Dern, right? And you just uh, you know seed the fact that you're going to be bad defensively with a 19 year old center and just like tell him to just stand in one place and jump when uh, Dame throws him the ball. Very good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they yeah they're going to they're going to trade the pick. They're going to trade the pick, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're definitely probably going to trade that pick they're either going to trade down or they're just going to trade out of it yeah yeah this the things did not shake uh, portland's way which is good for us yeah not, not so good for for portland all right that was uh that was as deep as i think we probably need to go yeah uh, i was gonna go like past our pick and into portland and just see how things shape out but like yeah just even doing that quickly it's like man portland it will we learn that portland probably is going to trade that pick and it and if you think Shaden Sharp is not the type of player that Indianapolis would select. Like getting Keegan Murray and Shaden Sharp 
definitely more interesting than just getting Keegan Murray for the Detroit Pistons. And um, okay, you you definitely talked me into the idea that Keegan Murray could be the type of player that Portland could be interested in, or but he'd be off the board. Yeah, he yeah. would be the only guy they would want. But right, yeah, like that's true. he's the only guy they would want. So if he's not available, yeah, there's there's yeah. nothing. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's even more reason, I guess, for the Pistons to take him. <laughs> right, kind of hold Keegan Murray hostage, right. so they so they have to trade for Jeremy Grant. That's a funny thought. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that that that's basically everything I want to talk about with the draft. I wanted to get your quick thoughts. I know you've been watching the playoffs. What did you think of both the the Phoenix Suns game seven collapse oh against the Dallas gosh. Mavericks? And, wow. uh, and did DeAndre Ayton only playing 17 minutes and there being immediately like a huge stink about how that situation is going in Phoenix give you any pause about whether or not you want him to be a Detroit Pistons? Wow. So first of all, no. I, I mean, I'm not going to let one game in one series derail um, – you know, his entire career today. He's an impressive player. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of player that I think anchors the interior, both ends of the floor. I'm, I'm very impressed with him as a player. Um, it, I did find some of the, the post-series comments from the franchise to be, at, at best, non-committal, which I found sort of surprising. Uh, I, did, I did think there's potential there for us to, to swoop in. Um, I, I look it, of the guys who are available in free agency. He's the only one that when we talk about the potential maximum that could be offered to him, he's the only one that I, I would even be interested in entertaining that sort of an offer. So not nothing that happened in the series that would, would change my view of that. Um, and look, that's a team that for, for two seasons was at the, the very top of the NBA. And I, I don't think, you can look at what happened in one game, really in game seven and write off the entirety of what they were able to accomplish. It, it sort of reminded me in some ways of what happened to um, the Pistons, right? When, when the Pistons sort of aged out and LeBron sort of tore through them, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not directly the same, but you look at the way sort of Chris Paul just sort of it, it just ran into a wall, right? Like it was just clear. He just didn't have it. Um, it, it kind of reminded me of what happened to the aging Pistons, and it was just sort of Luca's ascension. It was LeBron's ascension. Um, and, and look, you you can't say the Pistons are the Pistons. You know, you, no, nobody on the, those teams was worth it. No, that's not what happened, and it, that's not what happened to the Suns. So, I wouldn't be worried about that. But what what was witnessed on the court that night? I, I've never seen anything like it. Last, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible, and I, I could not believe it. I was absolutely stunned at what I saw. Yeah, what what surprised me was it was not how ready to go Dallas was from the moment the ball was tipped. Like that is to be expected from game seven, you know, in the in the second round in the quarterfinals, um, of a team that's like, you know, uh preparing to, you know, elevate themselves to the conference finals. It was it was striking to me how unprepared phoenix looked to mentally to be in that game um it was like and that is something i those are words i never imagined myself using for the the phoenix suns under monty williams um but like that that's just the the first thing that comes to mind and then you know once the 
initial avalanche had occurred, it did kind of seem like it seemed like each guy on the floor decided like, I am going to say, like, okay, we're down. This is not the end of the world. We all need to play better. It's like, I'm going to be the guy who, you know, elevates this team. I'm going to be the guy who makes this happen. And so you'd, you'd get like Chris Paul misses and then you get Devin Booker misses mm-hmm. and then you get Aiden missing mm-hmm. and then you get Crowder missing. And then you look up and Luca has hit like three step back threes and you're down nine more points than you were before. And you're like, Oh God. And like the snowball just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden it's halftime and you've been doubled up and you've scored less than 30 points and a half and your season's over. And it's like, that's, that's kind of rough uh, from a mental perspective. Like uh, I don't, I don't begrudge uh, anyone being like frustrated. I do think it's I'd, like, it's not nothing that Deandre Aiden kind of was just on the bench, just chilling and only playing 17 minutes. Uh, but at the same time, like, I remember how I remember how engaged he was on both ends of the floor, like in the NBA finals last year. Right. Mm-hmm. And like the hope is obviously you're paying, you know, $30 million in excess of $30 million a year for that version of DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, you know, he feels more engaged, more, uh, uh, yeah, more engaged with the team because, you know, he's not ceding touches to a Chris Paul or to a Devin Booker, because if you're, you're bringing him in and you're paying him that money, you're paying him to be like the second guy behind Cade and, uh, and letting Keegan Murray and Shaden Sharp just kind of fill in the gaps uh, between them. But yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not worried about the Pistons, like going out and signing Deandre Aiden because of one game, but I don't think it's nothing either for sure. Okay. All right, Ben, uh, anything else from the playoffs you want to talk about? You want to, you want to mention anything else that's like stood out to you, these playoffs? How about uh, former Piston Spencer Dinwiddie, right? That's my, a good point. My goodness, one of Stan Van Gundy's best draft picks. And uh, unfortunately... I, um, did, I did see your tweets as like with the 38th pick, the Pistons yeah. select Spencer Dinwiddie. The 39th pick, the Pistons select Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton it's like, oh, yeah. 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 Those yeah. second rounders that you give up on just a little bit too soon. Like, I mean, th- that's part of why I'm not saying uh, Killian Hayes is going to get to that level but that's that's part of why like these really young guys like the pistons have given up like one season or two seasons too soon on these young guys on these really tiny contracts who all they do is take up a roster spot and you're gonna lose anyway like we got time guys we got time to be patient absolutely absolutely um yeah that's basically it. We're going to hit 35 minutes. I'm happy with that. Uh, ben, let the people know uh, where they can find you, where they can find uh, your thoughts about, you know, maybe perhaps being in the future more excited about Keegan Murray. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stay off Twitter for tonight. Let let oh, that's, uh, that's not say anything. Smart. Not saying anything stupid. We have a conference finals game happening right now. I'm just going to watch that. That's right. Boston is surprisingly competing without Horford and smart um, Miami looks dead. They just, they didn't show up so far in the first quarter, but at BR Golker on Twitter. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to dive into the, the, the middle of the top 10 over the next week or so. Try to uh, convince myself of, of something positive to be had, which I know there is. I just, just got to get through the, get through the, get through the disappointment and find it. Yeah, it is. Uh, it won't be, as entertaining to argue about the top three versus like Benedict Matherin versus Shaden Sharp, but we'll make it fun. We'll make it fun. We always do. Uh, of course you can follow me on Twitter 
at last chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. Um, I will, I'm on, I'm on vacation the week after this one, but like after that, I'll probably drop another big board and we'll have lots of fights about shade and sharp in the not too distant (laughs) future. Uh, This has been the Detroit bad boys podcast. Thank you for listening to our post uh, draft lottery episode. And we will talk to you guys uh, sometime in the future. See you.